0: following podcast deals with topics of a sexual nature, and is intended for mature audiences only.
1: Kings and Pandons. Episode 5. Hello!
0: Hello! Hello! Hi guys! Hello, it's and welcome to some tangents. It's been quite a while guys. It has been a while. This is Brittany Jane. Hi I'm Max. And we are the hosts of this podcast that I don't know I don't know if anyone listens to this but if you're out there sorry we've been gone. (laughs) Right? It's been really crazy. Somebody got married and has been to Japan.
1: I did go to Japan and it was amazing and unbelievable and I want to go back so bad.
0: I know I've been a couple of times and it's like I think it's this is a generational thing. Mm-hmm. All of us that grew up with anime. Yeah. When when any of us go to Japan for the first time, we have that sort of I'm home. Yeah, moment.
1: seriously. It's like getting out from the plane and leaving the airport, like taking the bus to the hotel, and you just see just sprawling like skyscrapers everywhere into the horizon. You're just like
0: It's like oh. the Matrix. <laughs> it's like, yeah,
1: seriously. It's like you're in a video game.
0: Yeah. Welcome yeah. back. Welcome yeah. back to you, welcome back to me, welcome back to you guys. Yeah, seriously. And today we're going to be talking about rope.
1: Rope. Speaking of Japan. Yeah,
0: speaking of Japan.
1: So, all things rope bondage in shibari.
0: And kinbaku. And um, typically when people think of rope bondage, um, I was talking to a friend about the podcast the other day. And they were asking what the next episode was. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, we're doing rope. And they said, oh, interesting. I always thought of rope as just sort of like... Tying people's arms and legs down uh-huh. and calling it a day. Yeah, and it's a vehicle for um sexy sexy times. Yeah, and it's um when people think of rope bondage, they usually think of just like simple handcuffs things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once once they started to get to know me, they were like, I I realized that there's so much more to it than just I'm tying you down to have my way with you. It's actually an art form. Yeah, and and it's really intense. Yeah, and you could really hurt somebody. And, like, there's there's a whole lot involved in, in rope bondage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a huge history behind it, too, and how the whole sexy times part of it is just, just within the last century, last 80, 100 years.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm part of a um, a rope club here in L.A. It's called the Devil Mask Society. And we um, we have classes. And one of the things that we go over is... The fact that there's kind of there's different schools of thought around rope bondage and uh-huh. there there can be a, a mindset of rope bondage is a Japanese art form that's hundreds and thousands of years old yeah. and Practice it's very by,
1: traditional it's practiced by samurai Yeah
0: and I think that there's a lot of stuff that is inspired by and and derivative from sort of the the martial um militaristic interrogation types of ties Mm -hmm. that are basically like stress positions um absolutely but i think that you can make the argument that every culture that has ever had rope ever that has ever tied somebody down for the purposes of interrogating restraining yeah you could say that they have a long like history tradition of bondage yeah Yeah. so i think for the purpose of what we're talking about we're really looking at only about maybe like a 100 years worth of of history history
1: of of rope tying as a form of bondage for you know sexual purpose or sexual gratification
0: Mm -hmm. so there's a whole bunch of different ways to describe rope bondage i think the most common term is shibari yeah there's also kimbaku and then you mentioned that there's some others too right there
1: there is one so the ancient form of rope tying as far as a militaristic purpose or, um, you know, peace, peace officer style, okay. uh, enforcement was called Hojojutsu. Okay. Um, uh, that was practiced by samurai in the 1400s as a way to detain criminals or enemies. Um, uh, there were, actually was a code... Based around this. It, it, basically, it was an art form back then. So Absolutely.
0: So there's, The Japanese can make an art form out of anything. Yeah. To Seriously. be fair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you had samurai enforcing the law using this as a form of, you know, peacemaking. Or,
0: that makes you know, sense.
1: Keeping the peace. There are four rules to it. The first one is to not allow the prisoner to slip his bonds. Okay. So, not to slip through. So.
0: I mean, that's like prisoner 101. Yeah. Do not let the prisoner escape.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, uh, the second was to not cause any physical or mental injury, interesting, so I don't know if it was used for interrogation purposes, well, or more just to keep honor in that case.
0: I do believe that within sort of Bushido um there is a sense of you cannot attack an enemy. It's not honorable to attack an unarmed enemy. It's not honorable to attack someone's back mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like. Alright, you ready? We're gonna brawl. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine it was considered dishonorable mm-hmm. or disgraceful to, to... You're already tying somebody down.
1: Yeah, you, There's basically. no need to hurt them. Yeah, basically.
0: That obviously didn't hold up in World War II, but okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the third rule was to not allow others to see the techniques. So there were specific types of knots, specific type of rope setups... Yeah, Different samurai. Patterns. Used. Yeah, different patterns. You didn't want the enemy to look at these patterns and try to figure out a way out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I would imagine it's just a matter of, like, you don't allow people to have a way to, like, break out of their handcuffs.
1: Yeah. And then the fourth rule, this, this was very interesting. The fourth rule was to make the result beautiful or pleasing to look at.
0: And this is very much a Japanese thing. Yeah. Omelets, curry, <laughs> architecture, like, uh, the, the the Japanese way of life is finding the most beautiful, most efficient way yeah. to do something. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that rope in, in you know, Japanese martial law uh-huh. would be aesthetically pleasing because they lived that life in everything that they did.
1: Yeah, seriously. And it, it makes a whole lot of sense, especially, you know, this is used as, as a weapon of defense mm-hmm. and they're still prioritizing the aesthetic look to that. Right. Yeah. That really says a lot about that kind of culture, especially back then.
0: Absolutely. And I think that there's a whole lot of that in the Shibari um, rope community to this day. Um, one of my favorite rope artists is Hajime Kinoko. Uh-huh. I love his Instagram because it's very artistic. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about rope bondage, can the person move? Yes mm-hmm. or no? Okay. Done. You've 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 done rope bondage. Like, can they move? Yes or no? Have you limited their motion? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. You've you've done the you've done the rope bondage. Yeah. So the, you know when, when we go over stuff in DMS, for example, it's have you done this properly? Like, what is the form? Has it has it has sorry the what is the function
1: uh-huh.
0: and has it executed against that function? Have you done it safely? And then have you done it efficiently? And then is it beautiful to look at? Yeah. So you you as you learn to do rope stuff, you you learn it in that order. A beauty unfortunately is the last thing, but that's because it's a nice to have. Uh-huh. It it's a it's a functional thing as well as a as a beautiful thing. Yeah.
1: So what was interesting is the this whole art um relatively remained in Japan totally non-sexual connotations to it until the mid 20th century. Yeah. Um,
0: thanks to Americans.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> and um, not necessarily just thanks to Americans. I do have some stuff on what was going on in Japan at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1916 are kind of the earliest illustrations of rope bondage. Uh-huh. Um, and that's from Ito Sei- Sei- mm-hmm. Um And there's a book on it, uh, Research on Torture. Mm-hmm. And then you also had like Kitan Club, which is a Japanese magazine, and uh-huh. um you also have artists like Nobuyashi Araki, who is basically like the Japanese dolly uh-huh. and um he he's the one that kind of elevated shibari and 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 Japanese rope bondage into high art. In fact, you can actually see him in the San Francisco Museum of Art,
1: really yeah, that's so cool super super,
0: super cool and um you also had osaka iki um osaka ikichi um which is the birth of on stage um bondage
1: uh-huh.
0: house of milan which was founded by a woman like these are all just kind of things like you out there listening like if this is something that you're interested in like google these things like totally interesting stuff that will yeah. take you down a whole rabbit hole um and you know as we get into more modern stuff, we have Akechi Denki, mm-hmm. um, who's basically been engineering ways to make ties safer. Hajime Kanoko, um, who's, again, more of a modern performance guy, he does a lot of black light rope.
1: Cool. Yeah,
0: so he he dips his rope in, like, UV stuff, uh-huh. and then um, he'll, like, do crazy stuff with the rope and then, like, turn off all the lights and then turn on black lights and it's oh, like that's super so dope. Cool. You'd totally love it. Yeah. And then of course there's um sort of the modern master which is Akira Naka and also Gorgone which is Akira Naka's bottom and they uh-huh. teach bottoming. You also have um people like Wicked Dave, Osada Steve and Pedro and now these are more Europeans and Americans. Uh-huh. They're touring, they're teaching if they if if you really wanted to get if you really want to get into rope bondage and and tying people these would be our modern contemporaries to look at. Interesting. Um, and there's just sort of like I hate to say cultural appropriation, but oh. it is. We're we're taking um, these ties and these knots that may have been perfected by somebody a hundred thousand years ago, a hundred to a thousand years ago, and we're applying it to a new
1: thing. Yeah, it's very interesting to see. You know this. This came from. Japanese culture being fed into western culture but there's such a difference between the Japanese and eastern viewpoint of it and the west where you know our history with ropes and bondage is mainly not for artistic purposes at all it's mainly just used as restraint and the whole idea of of having sexual gratification just purely stems from being restrained
0: yeah yeah and I, um so i i've taken an eastern style and a western style class so uh-huh. to speak so a lot of a lot of my training is quote unquote eastern style but i mm-hmm. have taken a quote unquote western style bondage class and um there's a lot of differences in the technique and um sort of the mindset around the rope i learned from somebody who was like a professional dominatrix and she went over sort of some of the basics and a lot of it was a lot of seam work, a lot of half hitches, mm-hmm. which is basically like a hangman's noose. So it's a knot that can collapse, uh-huh. which is very different from how you would do Japanese rope Um, in terms of like whether they double the rope or not, the sorts of knots that they're using. So I think in terms of execution, there's a huge difference between Eastern and Western.
1: Uh uh-huh.
0: So um, as far as sort of Eastern and Western goes, um, I think it's worth mentioning sort of what you could find at... Sex shops here Uh in the U.S. Yeah. And um, it is my opinion that a lot of the stuff that you could find at sex shops, like romantics and whatnot, Uh isn't going to be very...
1: Well built.
0: Well built. Probably. I don't think there's a whole lot of people in the rope community that use it. Uh Um, It's kind of this sort of novelty tie you down and have my way with you sort of bondage
1: yeah which again is more kind of the western thought of yeah bondage which yeah. is
0: great yeah. and that's totally fine and if it's something that you want to dabble in that's totally an option uh-huh. um i thought it was funny i was in a romantics uh not too long ago i feel like i go on a monthly basis <laughs> um i don't know and i don't always go on a monthly basis to buy stuff i just like going there and like looking Anyway, yeah.
1: um just, just looking at the latest products.
0: Yeah, and I always I get a good laugh out of sort of the authentic Japanese like cuffs or like authentic <laughs> there's this new thing where um it's like quote unquote authentic Japanese uh-huh. and it's like a rubber cuff set. Yeah.
1: That
0: like you it's like made out of silicone, it's kind of stretchy, so you can uh-huh. put your wrists through and now it's like, oh, I'm in my my Japanese cuffs. And Weird. it's like which, which and, it's, and that's fine. And, like, if that's something that you want in your toolkit, maybe maybe you want to explore bondage. This uh-huh. is a very, very.
1: It's a good intro.
0: Great intro. Uh-huh. I think it's, like, totally accessible. So I don't want to poo poo it and say it's, like, oh, like, ew. Like, I'm totally above that. Because, like, my first set of bondage ropes was from, I think, Romantics. Uh-huh. And it was, like, their quote unquote silk rope. Uh huh. And I think I did the Karata, which is the, um, like, that diamond body bondage yeah. thing. You see it in yeah. a lot of anime and hentai. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, like, like kind of like the diamond pattern. Yeah,
0: it's like a, di- yeah. a diamond pattern bodysuit with, like, the crotch rope.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then I've also bought the uh, the cuffs that yeah. Romantics has as well. So, like, if, if if rope bondage stuff is interesting to you, like, that is totally an option. Just be aware that it's not necessarily the authentic thing even though that it is marketed as such
1: as such yeah but it's a great tool for people to dip their toes
0: absolutely especially. and if all you're looking for is sexy sexy times and it's like ooh, I'm gonna tie you down then that's great um do keep in mind just like with anything else you always want to have a conversation around consent yeah sure. um some people do not respond well to being tied down whether they're aware of that response <laughs> or not. So um, anytime you are tying somebody down, always, always ask for consent. Yeah. Always be aware of sort of um what the, the risks are related to that. And always have a pair, at the very least, have a pair of scissors nearby. It's uh-huh. not the most ideal thing in the world, but like having some scissors nearby is better than nothing.
1: Yeah. Especially if there's some emergency or your partner just does not want to be no longer restrained and they're starting to have maybe a panic attack
0: which totally happens yeah (laughs) um i was actually at a practice session uh maybe a couple months ago and somebody was telling me that a fire alarm a fucking fire alarm went off in their building and they're in a full fucking like tk like crotch up their butthole sort of situation (laughs) and they were like this is bad and i think they ended up going outside with some of the ropes still on Oh wow! Because what are you gonna do? You gotta evacuate. Yeah. I don't. Th- I don't yeah. think they. They. I think they got as much rope as was necessary off of them, uh-huh. and they got like something like a robe or like a coat thrown on them, and they were guided downstairs. Uh huh. So, it, it, and when they were telling me about this, like we laughed uh-huh. and we like, "Wow, that's super crazy!" But like that is a real reality yeah. of your situation. Like it could totally happen to you. Yeah. Um. So, always be prepared for the worst. Yeah. So on that note, I feel like it's really important to go over safety. Yes, absolutely. I'm the safety queen. <laughs> um, and I think very, the very, very, very first thing is never, ever, 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 and I, this extends beyond rope bondage. I think this is applicable to any sort of bondage. Never walk away from somebody in rope bondage.
1: No, because that's just like leaving somebody completely prone and unable to do anything.
0: Yes. If for whatever reason you have to step away, don't A. But if you have to, <laughs> make sure that the person is seated and laying down in a way that is not gonna restrict their breathing. So never leave somebody on their belly with uh-huh. their arms and their legs back, like uh, kind of like in a like a wheel, if you know yoga, yeah. like the wheel yeah. pose. They could asphyxiate and die. Oh
1: wow.
0: Um so if, if you have somebody in a hog tie, you wanna yeah. put them on their side so that they can continue to breathe. Yeah. But don't leave the room.
1: Yeah. Like say they're
0: like Hey, can I have a sip of water? And the water, keep the water within arm's reach. Yeah. Don't get up to use the bathroom. Like all of these things, I feel like are very like obvious, but you never ever want to walk away from somebody that's in rope. Um, and especially if we're talking about suspension. Uh huh. Do not walk away from somebody that's even partially suspended. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. Something could happen.
1: Yeah. Well, I imagine even even psychologically. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that this is a bigger conversation around sort of. Your risk profile and, and you know, having safe, and consensual play. And, like, I know that some people have, like, kidnapping fantasies and, like, uh-huh. whatnot. I consider that to be, like, a really extreme edge play. Because, like, kidnapping somebody, you, like, tie them and, like, throw them into the back of a car and drive away. Like, yeah. you can't monitor that person. Yeah. So, it is my bias and it's a very strong bias that you are never more than an arms width, li- arm's length away from somebody. Um, You always want to have some sort of cutting mechanism. A lot of people have scissors and whatnot. Do not have an open blade, like a box cutter. Yeah. Because it's going to be really hard to cut that person out. You might injure them. So what a lot of people in the cutting, in the cutting community, not in the cutting community, <laughs> not the cutting community do community. not, that is, don't, no. Um, <laughs> different, different podcast. Um, every, a lot of people in the rope community tend to have uh, rope cutters and it basically looks like, um, it looks like a bottle opener with one Uh end open and so there's a slot for the rope to go in and and get cut
1: it's kind of circular right it's kind of circular yeah
0: and um you want it to be small enough that you can't just get like big arms and legs and fingers in there like you Uh want it to be just big enough for the rope to go in and um you want to have that to be exclusive for rope don't be cutting boxes and other stuff with it you want it to stay clean you want it to stay sharp Uh and you always again want it to be within arm's reach a lot of people will buy it from um rock climbing vendors yeah, and they they're usually carabinered so you always want to have that on hand uh-huh. and this is really huge you want to keep an eye out for and check for nerve problems uh-huh. the most common nerve problems tend to surface in the front and the back of the hand and they could also be in the arms and the legs and it's basically um
1: is it sort of like uh the feeling when your foot falls asleep or you start getting like tingles that they start hurting like a stinging or... What
0: you are describing is actually circulation loss. Oh. And fun fact, you could lose circulation up to eight hours. Wow. So, you know, people people in the hospital.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And I, we're not recommending this on our podcast. <laughs> but when you're in a hospital and um, say you are comatose or say that you have limited mobility. Yeah. They will come in and they will rotate you. Because if you're laying on your back for eight hours, all of the blood is settling in the back of your body. Uh-huh. Or say you have your leg lifted or whatever, so they will rotate you onto your side, oh, wow. and then onto the other side because they want that blood moving around in your body. So um, what you were describing that tingly feeling yeah is circulation loss oh okay and then it'll eventually go numb, and and then if your say your hand is numb yeah due to circulation loss, and then you have a nerve impingement, you will now now no longer be able to feel the nerve impingement. Due to, due to the numbness from the blood circulation loss. So their blood circulation and nerve damage are different things. But they can influence one another in that you, it's harder to monitor for nerve uh-huh. stuff. Especially once you get into suspension. Uh-huh. Mostly nerve damage is instant. And it's sharp. Yeah. And it's usually shooting. And it, it's, again, super quick. Nerve impingement is not something that happens slowly. It's, you've impinged my nerve. I'm feeling it right now um there's something called the kumar test okay and that is for the hands so if you guys want to look it up k-u-m-a-r um it's how doctors assess nerve damage three Uh different nerves in your hand huh and those nerves go up your arm and they the depending on the manifestation of the numbness or loss of sensation um in the top side and um palm of your hand that's a different nerve Oh. In DMS, we're taught ducks fucking cats is okay. <laughs> so um, if you're at home listening, what you're going to do is you're going to make the duck hand. And then you're going to make the kitty hand, which is kind of, um you bring your the fingertips to um the pads of your, you're basically rolling your fingers down to the base of your fingers and then your thumb in. So that's cats. You're making like a kitty paw. And then the okay sign. So if you're able to do all three of those things. huh um, your nerves are okay, but if okay. say 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 we're tying and I'm like, yeah. hey, uh, let's do let's do a test uh-huh. and you do, cats fucking ducks or ducks fucking cats is okay, and then on the okay part, your index finger and your thumb are not touching.
1: Uh
0: huh. I'll ask you, can you feel like, can you feel the okay? And you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally feeling my fingers, but you, your fingers on your left hand are touching, but on your yeah. right hand are not, that's giving me information that, oh, okay, there's nerve damage here. Same thing with cats. Huh. If any of those fingers are not touching that top part of the palm, or the thumb's not coming in, or um, on ducks, if you're not able, like say some of the fingers are floating, uh-huh. um, that's telling me that's different nerve damage. Huh. So that's a really quick, easy way to test for it. The other way is um, if you're at the top, to run your fingers or a nail across the top of the hand, uh-huh. um, along the thumb. So you're testing for pressure and you're testing for um, sensitivity. I see. So that's another way to test if somebody maybe can't do that. So say, uh-huh. say their fingers are bound yeah. and they're not able to do that, that's another way that you can test for uh-huh. those things. Uh-huh. If there is nerve impingement, get out immediately. Okay. If you're not sure, get out. It's better to not be sure. Yeah. Because nerve impingement is instant
1: and it's uh, i'm assuming extremely painful.
0: Um it's I've never experienced it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I haven't had it described to me as painful, but I have had it described to me as oh no, you can tell. Yeah. Like no that's that's a nerve. Like, um you're <laughs> sciatic.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a so, very specific pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that that kind of pain for me like it shoots down my lower back. Yes. And then I kind of get Get that feeling radiating throughout my thighs too. And yes, it does not feel good.
0: Because it's traveling up the whole nerve. Yeah, and fun fact: if you do damage your nerve, uh, the damage could be for several months. Oof. It can be permanent. Oof. And also, fun fact: your nerves. So say, say you do have nerve impingement in your hand, and it's it's manifesting in the hand. Um, it can also be in your forearm. You could have patches in your legs. Uh-huh. um your nerves grow at the pace of your fingernails huh so if you have nerve impingement and it's um manifesting in the hand and the nerve impingement is usually in the upper arm usually in the box tie uh-huh. um or the tk you have to wait for it to grow back all the way from the top of your arm which could take years crazy so it's super super important to keep that in mind um when I first started doing ropes it was a huge concern for me because I use my hands a lot my Uh hands are a huge integral part of of my of my work um and so I was really concerned and and I think that anybody who's a writer an artist a baker if you're doing a whole lot of stuff with your hands this might be a risk profile thing that you have to keep in mind yeah
1: for sure so, as far as nerve damage, this is one of the many, many reasons why a beginner needs to go slow and figure out their boundaries, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the least, you could, at the least, someone's arm is going to fall asleep. Yeah. Okay, like, in terms of, like, stuff happening.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, other stuff that could happen, did you, do you want to know what the highest, um, highest injury that people have when in bondage, specifically rope bondage?
1: I'm assuming pulled muscles? No. No.
0: Um, concussions. If your arms are bound and you're standing uh-huh. and you lose your balance because you're you're like getting subby or whatever, you trip, you can't put your hands down to protect your fall and you go face first. You're gonna give yourself a concussion.
1: Interesting. Or
0: vice versa, going backwards. Um yeah. I was doing a scene two weekends ago mm-hmm. and I was super uh, unstable on my feet i thankfully i was kneeling but i just um i was like trying to adjust my position and the way that i adjusted i went i i fucking like went toppling
1: uh-huh.
0: and i almost hit my head
1: wow and then in
0: the same night same scene and this is with somebody i've been tying with for two years and i wow. trust i literally trust this person with my uh, with my life <laughs> Almost fell forward onto heart, because well, we're on mats, Uh-huh. but the, I, I was, like, very close to the edge. If I would have fallen forward, I would have hit straight concrete. Wow. Yeah, so um, in addition to, you know, just hands, feet, things falling asleep, circulation, somebody can get a bruise. Usually you're going to get bruises yeah. um, if it's, like, a pressure point, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, you can bruise, um, which happens to me a lot. Um, you'll get these, like, little red dots, which is basically little micro bruises. Um uh-huh. do, you and, could get, do those
1: usually go away pretty quick?
0: A couple of days. It depends on your skin. I see. I get them because I'm really pale and I, my skin's sensitive. Uh-huh. You could have dirt nerve damage. Uh-huh. You could realistically break somebody's leg. If you're <laughs> yeah. doing a suspension and a rope falls and uh-huh. th- you could break somebody's arm, like, you can give somebody a concussion. You could kill somebody, you know? Like, they yeah. could suffocate. Yeah. Their, their neck rope could slip. Like, there's yeah. a whole bunch of different ways to... Brutally injure somebody. Wow! So if you're looking to get into rope bondage beyond just sexy, sexy times tying you down to the bed, Uh even still, you could really hurt somebody if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So that being said, (laughs) let's let's talk a little bit more. Um. So I think for me, the most common things that I come up against, because the people that I tie with, again, like a lot of them are people from DMS. We're in a classroom situation. Uh-huh. A lot of the things that I've personally come up against is either my, my body's physical limitations, like, ow, my hip can't go that far, or circulation. Uh-huh. Um, if you are tying somebody and there's a circulation issue, um, again, it's not nerves. It's that pins and needles feeling. Yeah. You can have the person clear your ropes, which basically means running fingers under the, under the wraps or the ropes to adjust mm-hmm. the rope sort of adjust um, the surface area. Mm-hmm. You could um, swap the position of your forearms. If you're in a box position, you could try to flex. So like moving your abs, flexing your abs, your legs, your arms, that will kind of help push the blood around. Uh-huh. Um, and typically when you're untied, your symptoms will stop. Yeah. Right? Like if you're sitting weird, on your butt and your butt falls asleep but then you get up and you jiggle it within a minute yeah it's fine yeah so it's going to be the same thing with your arms and legs and like any other part of your body if you find that your symptoms for whatever reason are lasting longer than that go to the doctor yeah and so if you are diabetic if you have heart problems if you have circulatory problems that is a huge risk profile that you have to disclose to the person that's tying you yeah if you are diabetic, you're going to have circulatory problems. And that's something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. Yeah. Especially in the legs. The other thing to keep in mind is as you're losing blood circulation in an arm or a leg, again, the nerve, if there's any shooting pain in that arm or leg, and that arm or leg is asleep, you're not going to know. Yeah. So you really got to keep an eye on it. It's okay that you're losing blood circulation. It's not okay to, like... Not feel the nerve impingement, yeah. So, always keep that's that. that's
1: just the easiest way to injure yourself even more because you can't even feel it, yeah,
0: yeah. And at the end of the day, like if you're not sure, stop the scene, yeah. But at the end of the day, you feel weird, you have questions, you, you don't feel comfortable, something hurts, stop the mm-hmm. scene and, and get untied, yeah. Like, stretch, see how you're doing. You can always get tied back up. Yeah, your body is so much more valuable than like the twenty minutes that you're in that rope. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too is always have an eye as somebody that's that's on the bottom that's being tied. Be very communicative about what's going on in your body, uh-huh. and be like, even if it's something minute, even if it's like, ooh, like that kind of pinched on my left arm on the outside towards my back. Yeah. that's going to give the person that's tying you information. They're like, oh, I think I think you have pinching here. And then they clear the rope, and they're like, oh, yeah, is that better? And it's like, oh, yeah, that feels much better. Yeah. Or, hey, FYI, my left arm just fell asleep. Or I'm starting to feel tingly. Because mm. then that's telling your top, cool, they're losing circulation in that arm. I need to be very careful yeah. now because now... I have to keep an eye on that for nerve impingement. Yeah. Or, what? again, it, whatever the risk profile is, yeah. if they have poor circulation, things like that.
1: And again, it's like if you don't tell your top, they're not going to know they're not mind readers. No,
0: absolutely not. And usually, and having been suspended, your top is really focused on getting your ass up in the air yeah. and doing it safely and making sure that things are where they need to be. They're worrying about, like, how the rope is laying in your body if there's the correct tension if they locked something off they are keeping an eye on you but they're not going to be checking in on you every two seconds as a bottom it's your responsibility to speak up and say hey i have this weird pinching pain shooting in my left kneecap Uh i don't think that's supposed to happen or hey i think i could last in this position another five minutes and a good rule of thumb is if somebody tells you hey I think I could be in here for another minute. That usually means, you no, know, they need out. Yeah. Or, I think I got about five more minutes in this, or ten more minutes. You always cut that number in half. Uh-huh. And as you're putting somebody into something, you need to start thinking about, how am I th- going to get this person out? Yeah. Because... You know, we talked about making stuff beautiful and pretty. Uh Uh-huh. That sometimes means you're eating up rope, right? Like, you're looping it. You're making Uh extra knots. Well, every extra knot, every extra loop, that's time. Yeah. And if somebody needs out right fucking now, that is time off of their life, potentially. Yeah. Like, the rope is around their fucking neck. You need to get them out. Yeah. You can't be fiddling and faddling with a bunch of ropes and not know what the fuck's going on. So, as as you're tying somebody, you have to have an understanding of what you're doing and how, how, how easily you're going to be able to get them out of it yeah, after?
1: Yeah, and I assume this all applies to let's say your bottom going into subspace. And yes, may not be in the mi- right mindset. Absolutely. Um, I've I've been in a situation where I was I was tied down, and then I was entering subspace, and I wasn't that coherent. Yeah. And I felt really woozy, and at that point I was like, I I kind of need kind of
0: need out i think that was your first time in that yeah, space it was too, yeah which could be really disorienting and your mobility is restricted yeah so um it's really important to to be super vocal and be like i have or have not been tied before this is the experience that i had i've never been in subspace or i have been and uh-huh. for me when i'm in subspace i'm completely nonverbal. like i i I can talk, Uh but A, it takes me out of subspace. B, it takes me a while to respond. I'm basically drunk off my ass. And I'm useless. I can't drive a car like that. No. I can't, like, pay the pizza guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so it's super important to assess. Again, I think that's part of your risk profile is, like, okay, if you hit subspace, I need to know that even though you're in subspace, you can still communicate to me whether or not. You're in pain, whether or not you need yeah. out. So, it, and having responsibility over your own body, uh-huh. and also as a top, having responsibility of what you are willing to take on. Yeah. If you're tying with somebody that's never been tied before,
1: you gotta be don't ready. Don't be putting
0: their ass up in the air. Yeah. You can, but it's dangerous. Yeah. And you, you are taking that risk on to onto yourself. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> let's talk about rope. Woo. And knots. Yay. So, um, there's sort of this like misconception of like I have to know a whole bunch of stuff, and yeah. there's like a right and a wrong way. There's no right or wrong way to do rope bondage. There's very safe ways.
1: Uh-huh.
0: There's very efficient ways. There's very
1: artistic ways.
0: Artistic ways. You could literally throw a bunch of rope on the floor, have your bottom lay on top of it. And then suspend them from that rope mess if you wanted to. It's been done. It's been done to me. It fucking sucked. I would not recommend it. But the point is, is that you can do it.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I figure, you know, the pressure points are all over the place. It sucked.
0: Um, And it was, whatever. (laughs) Um, Technically, you could wrap a single rope around somebody's, like, belly button. They're midway. And fucking hoist them up a fucking pole. There, you've suspended somebody. Is it comfortable?
1: Probably not.
0: Is it safe?
1: Probably not.
0: But can you do it? Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) So, um, you know, those sorts of things are worth keeping in mind. Like, technically, anybody can suspend somebody from day one.
1: Uh
0: How safely they're going to do it, how efficiently they're going to do it, probably not that safe, probably not that efficient. So the more you tie, the more experience you get, the more you understand sort of, the physics that are involved uh-huh. and the mechanisms that are involved, the safer and more efficiently it's going to be, and thus more pleasurable for both you and the person that you're tying. Yeah, or less pleasurable for them if that's what they're really into. Yeah, I have literally seen a scene where somebody had crotch rope, which uh-huh. was their harness, their fucking hip harness, uh-huh. and like a TK, which is like a chest harness. Uh-huh. um, And it was like one up line, and that that's was it. it. Yeah. Ouch. And, and that, they were into it. Okay. For me, I can't do anything around my thighs. Uh-huh. And like, you know, like everybody's completely different. Yeah. So again, it's like that risk profile, the more experience they have, the more you understand it, the more you're like, oh, cool. Okay. So you can't do this. Well, then we can do this. Like I can do side suspensions pretty uh-huh. comfortably. I think I've done face down. Okay. Uh-huh. I can't do face up. It Let's fucking see. hurts. It's uncomfortable.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So, all of those things are worth keeping in mind. Yeah. Um, a little bit about rope. There's a whole lot of different types of rope. And it comes down to two types. Synthetic uh-huh. and natural. Uh-huh. Um, so, synthetic is basically man-made material. It's uh-huh. nylon, plastic, uh, paracord. Uh-huh. And it's slippery. Um, some types can be really um, springy.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I have noticed that a lot of people that do quote-unquote Western bondage often use that kind of rope. Mm-hmm. Um, is
1: that is it because synthetic rope is more common to find in novelty stores, sex shops?
0: Um, novelty rope, well, yes. Uh-huh. It tends to be a synthetic, sexy, sexy, silky, whatever. Yeah. Whatever they, they're marketing it as. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people will go to the DIY center and get paracord. Yeah. Which, you could, again, like, bondage is bondage. Mm-hmm. If you're using a synthetic rope, it doesn't make you any less of, of a rigger. Um, but the thing with synthetic rope is that because it is slippery, you have to be very careful about your knots. You have to be very careful about that slippage. Yeah. Um, because your, your knot might tighten. Yeah. In a bad way. Yeah. Or loosen in a, in bad, a bad way. In a bad way. So a lot of people um, prefer to use natural rope. Usually it's jute, hemp, cotton, linen, silk, bamboo, uh-huh. coconut, sisal. Coconut is a bitch. Why? How you, so? It's. Do you know what a coconut looks like? Oh the yeah, outside, oh like the
1: coconut hairs. Wow, so it's really coarse.
0: It's painful. Ouch. Some people are into that. Uh huh. Um, some people have allergies to like jute and hemp, and so they have to use something else. Like I uh-huh. think if you if you have an allergy to jute or hemp, you can use cotton or um, silk. Mm-hmm. Really, it's up to you. It's up to what you want to be working with. Um, there's also different types of braiding and twisting to the rope. Mm-hmm. You want to uh, keep an eye out on um, also the diameter. Uh-huh. So the diameter is, um, the thinner the diameter, it's usually going to be like a smaller surface area. Well, oh. it is a smaller surface area. Therefore, there's more of a bite to it.
1: Yeah, because so there's if, more weight being distributed on such a tiny point,
0: a little point. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people use the smaller diameter rope for genitals, hair, fingers, toes, uh-huh. because it, it it has it's a smaller surface area. It's easier to get in between yeah. those parts. Um, I've seen a lot of CBD, CBT, uh-huh. cock and ball torture
1: uh-huh.
0: using the, the smaller thinner yeah. rope. Um, and then the, the the larger rope is usually going to be less bite. It's going to be more pleasurable, um, yeah. distributes the weight differently. Yeah. But it can be bulkier. So that's, that's the flip side. Uh-huh. Um, most people buy this stuff on Etsy. And um, you could get different amounts of rope. Most people usually do five lengths, which is five cuts, uh-huh. um, 20 to 25 feet long. Mm-hmm. And that's for floor work. See. If you want to be doing suspension work, you want to have at least 12 lengths, and it's going to go up to 20. Uh-huh. And keep in mind, for Japanese rope bondage, or shibari and kembaku, uh-huh. that rope is cut in half. So that 20 to 25 feet rope is actually a 10 foot length yeah. that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Most of the people I've seen, they usually have um, uh, knots at the very end of their rope. Mm-hmm. So those are called buttons. Mm-hmm. And when you're working in a tight space and there's 20 other people in the room and you're tying somebody up and that button comes flying and whipping <laughs> around, it can hurt. So things like that are yeah. worth keeping in mind. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, you also have to treat your rope. So synthetic mm-hmm. rope, I guess the nice thing about it is you don't have to treat it. It's yeah. synthetic. Yeah. Um, with natural fiber rope, you when it's brand new, you have to treat it. To deal with rope fuzz, stiffness, coarseness, and dryness, uh-huh. all of these things are going to affect the um, experience of the rope for both mm-hmm. you and the person that you're tying, and also, basically, the the health of your rope. If it gets really dry, yeah. it's going to break.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, with natural rope, I assume there's a there's basically a set lifetime to that rope,
0: and you a lot a, of shedding.
1: A lot of shedding. <laughs>
0: of it um so what a lot of people use for to treat it is um a combination of beeswax Uh and oils some people use jojoba coconut horse and mink horse and mink are very expensive but apparently like that's totally a thing Mm -hmm. and then there's also synthetic oils that they use like mineral and baby oil Mm -hmm. you can wash your rope um synthetic rope you could just throw it in in, like the washing machine Mm -hmm. in like a lingerie bag and you're fine yeah with natural rope It does shrink as it's drying, so you have a lot of factors to consider. Like you have to basically like put it under tension as it's drying. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people just let it sit in natural sunlight for at least a twenty four hour period total. So like Uh more than a couple of days, right? Yeah. Um, And that usually kills most germs and things like that. If you're doing sexy, sexy time rope with a lot of different types of people, so you're doing crotch rope. Yeah. You could basically get like a tengu. Like a, like a little towel, yeah. and put it on their crotch to help with that. Uh-huh. Or, and I think a lot of people prefer to do this, they have, like, a dedicated rope for that person, or people will bring their own ropes for uh-huh. that. Um, It's best, since we're dealing with, like, vaginas, peepees, assholes, yeah. it's worth keeping that in mind. Yeah. So if you have, like, a dedicated crotch rope, or uh-huh. if you have... Sort of the clean rope, and then the crotch rope, and then the crotch rope's the one that's going to get cleaned. That way you don't have to clean everything. Uh-huh. Just keeping an eye on those sorts of things. Yeah. So, here's some stuff on suspension. Okay. Suspension is kind of like the ooh, ah, of like... Look,
1: it's the very Cirque du Soleil part.
0: Totally. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Again, if you look yeah. at Hajime Kanoko-san's uh, Instagram, he's got a ton it's of suspension super, stuff. beautiful. Super beautiful. Um, things to keep in mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is a lot harder than it looks.
1: Yeah. So, for a beginner, they should really not be going straight to suspension.
0: I think you can go zero to 60. Again, it's, it's you can drive a, if, if you've never driven a manual transmission car. Yeah. But you've driven an automatic. Uh-huh. You can figure it out. Yeah. But is it going to be, like, the safest, smoothest ride? Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, I would liken it to that. Anybody can figure it out, uh-huh. but um, again, there's there's the risk p- profile involved. Uh-huh. Um, so I think I think it would be foolish to say beginners cannot suspend, but I also would say I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Um, I certainly would not want to be suspended by somebody that's only been tying for a, a month. Yeah, I I frankly I wouldn't trust them. Mm-hmm. I would have to take a really good look at how they're tying stuff, how they're locking stuff off. I would want to understand, do they understand nerve damage? How does it manifest in the human body in different Mm -hmm. parts? I would want them to really give me their pedigree of of rope. Like, say it's like a fisherman. Uh And he's like, oh, I can haul your ass up this mast. And it's like, all right, prove it with this, like, giant bag of eggs. (laughs) And don't break any eggs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um... And then also you want to be assessing not only the person that is tying you, but you also want to be assessing the environment and also yeah. the rope. If you have a chance to watch that person tie, that's going to give you a lot of insight into mm-hmm. sort of what they're doing, how they're doing it. And the thing you really want to be paying attention to is as they're running their up lines up, mm-hmm. you do this, um, this like loopy knot thingy. I forgot what it's called. Um... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a bottom so I don't know what it's called I'm sorry <laughs> but I do know what to look for and it's basically a knot that um, is holding that rope and keeping it from moving and you want it to be small and compact and hard and tight so that there's no play and there's no give mm-hmm. that knot should not be moving if you see that knot slipping and you're in a scene and you're looking up and you see it slip. Fucking say something. Yeah.
1: That's that's basically the giant red light. Stop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that if you are working with somebody that knows what they're doing,
1: uh-huh.
0: they're going to be paying attention to that. It's a lot of pressure to be in the position where you're, like, hauling somebody's ass up in the air. Yeah. And I'm 180 pounds. Like, mm-hmm. it's not easy to get my ass off the off the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, so, they're really terrified of like hurting me and maiming me yeah but it's also my responsibility to keep an eye out for that sort of thing but it's also my responsibility to be paying attention to what the hard points are so a hard point is um what you're suspending from you have different types of permanently installed hard points and those could be um from like a ceiling um from a beam and there's just Uh certain things to be looking at and you want to be asking questions both as a bottom and as a top Uh so if it's going into a beam make sure that that beam is structurally safe um you want to see if it's attached to the wall is it stable is it Uh grounded is it supporting the weight of the building
1: is it not moving
0: is it not moving what's if it's a beam and it's uh wood what's the quality of the wood Mm -hmm. right yeah um if it's a ceiling and you can't see how it was installed you want to start asking questions um if it was hand screwed in probably not a good idea. Yeah. Like you your mom puts her macrame like flower pot on that hook? Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um and you want to examine the fixture. If there's a bent metal point, it's not as safe as something that's cast or forged. Mm-hmm. So if it's like a like a coat hanger and it's just like bent in all the way to be a circle, uh-huh. that's not going to be as strong or as safe if that whole loop was one metal piece. Does that make I sense? See. Because that, that that bend can slowly come up. Yeah. Um, if it's set into concrete, there's a whole lot of unknowns there because you need to know how old is that concrete? How is it poured? What is the makeup of it? Is it yeah. mostly sand? Is it mostly like dirt? Like what's it made out yeah. of? And you want to have a conversation about it. Yeah. Is there a rebar in there? Um, basically, what are the features of the concrete? Yeah. Um, and if you see any sort of weathering, around the hard point especially in concrete
1: yeah
0: that's not a good sign because so that, that any, means any there's dimpling
1: movement. or any any of dimpling
0: wear. any any sort of like gaps between the hard point and the wall uh-huh. any cracks anything like that um there's also freestanding frames as well oh. so i've been on a freestanding tripod and it's basically a single point um the freestand the freestandings are a little tricky and that there's usually legs to contend with right uh-huh. like a teepee so that's just something to keep in mind. And um you also want to be like keeping an eye out of what it's made out of. Um is usually you want steel or aircraft aluminum and you want to check for for like dings and wear. Yeah. Um you want to always be leaning into the legs and not into open space because tripods tend to fall. I
1: see. So it's
0: better to lean into a leg because it's driving into The ground rather than the open space where you could like take the whole freaking thing over. Yeah. Um, You also have like U shaped ones. There's wood and metal ones. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to always like check diagonals on the legs and at the corners of stuff Uh and just basically keep an eye out on is this safe? And if I have any doubt in my mind, Mm -hmm. don't fucking do it.
1: Do you have a preference? as to the setup like do you feel safer with one one particular setup versus another
0: um i haven't had a whole lot of experience mm-hmm. i would say my least favorite so far has been like the the tripod because it's it feels a little confined uh-huh um and also the the point is a bit low to the ground and i'm pretty tall yeah so it doesn't make for a lot of room to 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 like do the rope um i I really prefer something that I know a hundred percent is grounded, so um basically, imagine like monkey bars, yeah, like big, thick, strong metal bars. bolted into the fucking floor, like yeah. I'm comfortable with that, yeah. a giant jungle gem,
1: yeah,
0: totally comfortable with that because I can it, it's it's solid. it's
1: reinforced
0: it's reinforced, yeah, yeah, so I think that would be my big thing is just keeping an eye out for those sorts of things. Um, and just keeping an eye and an understanding of sort of the mechanics of what's going on,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so when you have two points, so say say you were suspending me, mm-hmm. and you have an upline from my chest and you have an upline at my feet, uh-huh. and you haul me up. Those two points want to start crashing towards one another, and so it's putting a lot of force on the center of my body oh, to bend, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, you want to keep an eye on those sorts of things. The wider you put things apart, the uh-huh. more they want to be closer together. Um, let's see. Basically, any the higher degree of that angle is, or no degree, allows the body to be like elongated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always easier to pull on a pulley system and you want to be pulling down mm-hmm. than out. So say you're trying to haul somebody up. Instead of doing like the like cartoon sort of like heave ho, yeah. heave ho. Instead of going out, you want to be going straight down along so pull with...
1: So pull down rather than out.
0: Correct. And then the other thing too is like, when you're asking for feedback, so like say you say you have somebody up in the air, they are being suspended. Mm-hmm. You wanna be very specific with your questions. And I think that this is gonna be the case in any sort of BDSM situation, any sort of bondage predicament. Mm-hmm. Ask very specific questions like how are your ankles feeling? Yeah. How are your wrists feeling? How's your breathing? Yeah. Um, a really great question is what has your attention right now? And mm-hmm. that could be, and often for me personally, it's what is the most painful? Yeah, and um, one of what one of my mentors says, and and I really love it. Um, rope bondage is basically rotating the suck. So it's like, <laughs> oh my fucking wrists, and yeah. The, oh my toes, and oh, what are you doing to my legs? You know, like yeah. you're always sort of rotating it. Yeah, especially when you're in suspension.
1: Yeah, because um, the pressure points change as you're moving around.
0: Right, and as you're moving yeah. from one post to another, yeah. your attention goes from the ache in maybe your shins from the rope that's crossing there Mm -hmm. to maybe a sharp pain somewhere else and that has your attention it's like is that a problem
1: yeah
0: or um if your attention is on how much longer am I going to be in this well then that's a sign that maybe it's time for you to get out yeah so being super specific when you're asking for feedback especially if you know that your bottom has been in the rope for a while Mm -hmm. Especially if you know that they're, they tend to get subspacey. Maybe mm-hmm. they get nonverbal. Asking them a super specific question or touching a body part, mm-hmm. like their arm, and being like, "How is this? How is yeah. this doing? Or how is that doing? Describe yeah. this to me. Um, and to to check to see can they feel this body part? Are can you they... feel it?
1: Is it feeling good? Does it feel painful if you touch it? Pins and needles.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then again, the same thing as um giving feedback when you mm-hmm. say ow, my leg, well, that's a large surface area. And which leg is it? And is it on, is it a rope thing or another thing? So if I say, ow, my thigh on the inner part, I feel like there's shearing. Could you please adjust that?
1: Yeah.
0: Or, ew, you just pinched me doing that thing. It's like, okay, like that's feedback.
1: Yeah.
0: Or you just hit me in the dick with the buttons, (laughs) you know, whatever the case may be. Dick punch. Um... So, yeah. And then, again, I I really... I can't stress enough. You really want to know how long it takes for you to get an upline done Mm -hmm. and undone. Mm -hmm. Because your bottom is... They don't have any good sense of time. As somebody that's been in that position, like, you could be in something for, like, a minute and it feels like three hours. Yeah. So, you really want to keep an eye on, like, how quickly you can get something up, how quickly you can get something down. Um, Especially
1: in the event that, let's say, your bottom is spacing out in some mm-hmm. space or there's an emergency especially if there's especially an emergency. an
0: emergency and rope is cheaper than an emergency room yeah the last thing i wanted to end on is just some online resources that are available out there for people okay there's lots of great books out there you know 10 15 20 years ago none of these resources were really available to us everything mm-hmm. was in japanese and amazon wasn't around and ebay wasn't really a thing and you would have to go to like bondage conventions and pay, like, top dollar yeah. for a book in a language that you may not necessarily be able to read. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely take advantage of these resources if this is something that you're, like, really interested in. Um, one is animatedknots.com, which mm-hmm. is, like, a free step-by-step uh, knot tutorial. Okay. Some of the knots that you want to be looking at for shibari specifically is the um, munter hitch, half hitch, mm-hmm. a lark's head, the Somerville bowline, The cow hitch, Um, you have the twist and shout, half moon, Mm -hmm. lashing, and um, the yuki knot, or um, I guess there's other ways to call it. It's basically like a square knot, Mm -hmm. um, or a bulla or a han mushubi. It's basically, it's a book knot.
1: I see. Is there a benefit for first-time beginners for certain knots versus others,
0: I think the most important ones would be the um, the book knot mm-hmm. because that's what you're gonna use for your single and double columns. Uh-huh. So basically, attach like wrapping rope around a thing like a wrist, mm-hmm. a leg, um, a chest, and um, the half hitch. I it's see. basically like a it's a lark's head. It's like it's like a little loopy thing, and mm-hmm. it collapses on itself. Um, I, I I like to think of it as like a crochet mm-hmm. knot. I would say those are the main two. Yeah. And then from there, you can expand your knowledge. Yeah. The Munter Hitch would probably be next. And it, it when you make it, it kind of looks like an M. Interesting. Yeah. You use it huh. for, like, food and momos and things like that. Huh. There's also um, a really great resource, which is Clover's Rope Bottom Guide. It is mm-hmm. a free PDF. It's for bottoming. It covers all of the stuff on nerves. It covers, like... Some of the challenges that you're going to come up against, stretching, mm-hmm. things like that. KinkAcademy.com, which is paid BDSM tutorials, uh-huh. as well as um, Shibari-Steady.com, which is our gar- Gorgon's paid online mm-hmm. rope tutorials. Um, you also have a whole lot of stuff on YouTube, like Wicked Dave's, Rope um, Ropetopia. Mm-hmm. FetLife has a ton of resources. Oh, yeah. So you want to look for the rope writing library on FetLife, kinkacademy.com, I don't know if I covered that yet, Um, Crash Restraint, which is a free online rope course, and then of course there's tons and tons of books out there. Yeah. So um, there's no excuse to be ignorant. If you think you want to get into rope sexy, sexy time... And you've whacked off to it, then like you, you definitely have the time to like do some yeah. research.
1: Yeah, and even if you're curious, attend a session. You don't have to participate. You can be an observer and see that kind of, you know, that kind of relationship between top and bottom and the entire process. From start to finish.
0: I would go as far as to say because I think with classes, mm-hmm. sometimes they let you watch and sometimes they require you to participate. And I, I, I would I would to to the add to that and say, go to a rope event or a rope social or mm-hmm. look for, you know, local events near you. Watch videos on YouTube. I'm sure there's a whole YouTube thing. There's mm-hmm. girl very cute girls on Instagram doing <laughs> tutorials like there's tons of stuff out there, yeah. and and there's there's no reason to not educate yourself.
1: I see. I think,
0: Do you think we covered everything?
1: I think we covered everything. I think Yay. that was a good hour.
0: This was one of our more shorter episodes, even yeah. though it's an hour long. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it felt like it flew by. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Uh, I hope this was interesting. Yeah. I hope it was fun, and if you decide to move forward and experiment with rope, or have sexy, sexy time with rope, always always remember safety first yes absolutely and consent first safety and consent is is key absolutely tantamount
1: yeah absolutely we want you to live so you can experience more sexy times yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> all right guys well i hope you're all doing well and look out for the next episode next month woo see you guys
1: bye, bye.